Raymtown. All right, here we are with the Raymtown Riot. Raymtown, go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us about the podcast. All right, what's up, everybody? So I am Raymtown, and this is the Raymtown Riot, and we're with Bobby Lloyd and Thomas Mayfield, and we're going to start a little podcast about sports today for you guys. Yeah, this is our initial episode, so don't be too hard on us, but uh, we figured we'd get together. We love talking about sports, hanging out, shooting the shit. So, uh, so yeah, this was our idea. We'll see how it goes. Initial podcast. Thomas, get us started. Okay, so we're just going to be covering some of the current stories in sports today. And currently, being March, um, the big thing in sports right now is the college basketball tournament. Of course, March Madness. All of our brackets got busted early. Michigan State. Losing to uh, Middle Tennessee, Giddy Potts shooting fifty percent from three. Like, Giddy Potts just like a little chubby guy, that's always, like, just <laughs> shooting around. Yeah, that's right? what I, I, I was trying to figure out a clever way to say it. Yeah, this dude's like six three, maybe two hundred forty pounds baby or something. Fat. Yeah, baby fat <laughs> and uh, draining threes. Definitely not an NBA player. Taking out uh, Michigan State is the second most popular pick to win the national championship. Yeah, so we focus on that game for a second. I feel one of the big things Middle Tennessee did is they never looked intimidated in any form, and they constantly attacked. They were constantly attacking throughout the entire game. They weren't sitting back, kind of like waiting for the game to end. You know, two minutes left, the game was still close, and they weren't just sitting there like, oh, let's hold the ball to the end of the shot clock. Let's freaking pucker up, and that's how teams really lose, right? They were constantly attacking until the end, moving their offense, and I think it really benefited them. So interestingly enough here, going in a little bit opposite of direction here, but still within the tournament, is uh, it's common knowledge now that the ACC is dominating this tournament. Six of the seven teams now have moved on to the Sweet 16. Which teams are these? ACC teams. So What are the six teams? Um, so we have North Carolina, we have Duke, we have Miami. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Syracuse. Wow. Syracuse and my... Uh, Who's Virginia. In? Virginia. So we have potential boys for the first ever ever ACC Final Four. Really? Or first ever conference, uh, a single conference having the Final Four. So wait, so so can someone from the bracket with uh, with Oklahoma and Oregon? Is there an Duke. ACC team Duke in there competing? Duke. Oh, Duke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like Duke has potential to beat anybody. Yeah, so. Duke. They have two top twenty. So who are we looking team. at? We're looking at if Duke. Virginia, North Carolina. Or Syracuse in that bottom right. I mean, it could happen. Yeah, all right. So Duke, Virginia, Syracuse. North Carolina is is probable to come out of the top. And then who who could potentially beat Kansas? Notre Dame? No, no, they're not Notre Dame. Miami. Miami. Miami, okay. Who's who's a three seed who's been good all season long. Miami's pretty impressive. Yeah. Miami's a big, tall, lengthy team. That sounds like it could potentially happen. That's that's insane. Well, is uh, at that point is the ACC like? Is there what are the repercussions of the ACC having all the best teams in college basketball? Does it just kind of does every team in the ACC get a tournament bid after that? What? No, what I don't feel like the repercussions will be too much. I think that's an anomaly that's never happened before, right? And it would show how dominant one conference is for one year. But, however, I'll be willing to bet you ten, all the money I have that it's not going to be four ACC schemes next year. Well, think about yeah. this, though. Louisville 
didn't even make the tournament because of shank- sanctions this year. No. And they were like a top 15 uh, ranked ranked team. ACC. ACC team. team, yeah. So they could have been in this as well. Um, I think it's just showing how dominant ACC is with Syracuse being a 10 seed and just destroying their way through the first two rounds. So two thoughts on what you just said. First thing, it seems to me like some of these fringe conferences – a lot of us being from New Mexico complaining about the Mountain West only getting one bid. It seemed like San Diego State deserves to be there. But then with the ACC dominating the way it does, it seems like maybe even the worst team in the ACC might win the national, the Mountain West championship. Probably. I, f- I feel like. Second thing, more interesting than this, uh, what do you guys think about the Patino situation? Did he... Uh, did he know about the strippers and the escorts? Was was he recruiting players using prostitution? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think Patino necessarily, but I guarantee people on the staff for sure. I mean, being part of college football, I mean, college sports, I mean, I saw, I saw stuff all the time. I, I played college football myself, and I saw, I didn't personally see it, but I always heard all of the teammates getting paid, right? You have coaches pay them. I myself never got paid because I was a little white guy who was a walk-on, you know what I mean? So it doesn't work very well. However, at these big schools, especially back in the day, it was almost a norm, I bet, for a lot of this stuff to happen. So I'm not asking you to drop names here, but you were aware of certain players being paid to play college football? I'm not going to tell you I have 100% factual proof. However, I mean, come on. Some of the things are pretty obvious. So in my belief is a yes. Even at a smaller school... Smaller conference school like New Mexico, you. Yes, I have beliefs, and this was an every year of tenure. This is only a couple of years. Okay, I'm not gonna give you all the years of tenure, but some years. I'm not that gonna throw anybody under the bus. That is insane to me. I mean, no one even showed up to the games. It was one of the worst teams in the country, maybe the worst team in the country. For the, it's insane that they would pay pay players to go. Well, that, that's when we're talking. Let's get back on top of the Louisville, right? Let's go yeah. to these big schools. You have these big schools. Of course, they have. Abundance of money, and they have a lot of really rich people who support the programs, right? Uh-huh. And so, how the belief of me completely is: twenty-five years ago, this was a very common thing. This was the social media was at a dead stand. There was now there was no such thing as social media, right? Yeah. And so, twenty-five years ago, it was common to have these shippers to have all these things to get recruits in. That's how you got people in the program, and you'd pay them out of the table, and no one would know. But now with social media, it's coming out nonstop. That's just how it's working. So yeah, things thing, are getting leaked way easier because oh, yeah. all you need is just someone who knows about it, someone with a camera, somebody. I mean, what, what, so, so it seemed like you were hesitant to say Patino knew about this type of thing, and it seems to me... Like, it would be tough for him not to know. Like, what are there? Is there all kind of people involved in the program that are just doing all this sketchy stuff and then they're also trying to keep it from their head coach? Like, that's like that's one of the secrets. Oh, big so it's just people looking out for Patino's interests, but not including him in what's going on. Kind Wait, of. Did oh, you yeah. agree that you think Patino knew? I, so, this is my belief. I have a strong belief that he could have not known, right? He could have no, not known. Okay. It's very possible, right? Because think about this when recruits come in, right? They mm-hmm. they hang out with the coaches and all that, but they don't want to hang out with the coaches at night, right? They go with the players. They go with the players at night. The coach leaves them, and they go to the thing. When we hosted recruits, what did we go do? We A lot of times, you'd go take them to drink if they wanted to because that's what got kids to come. That's not an uncommon thing. You'd have these groupy girls. This sounds terrible. You had these groupy girls. Uh-huh. Not necessarily that you, you and them was the same way. They didn't 
necessarily go and have sleep with these people all the time. However, it was a common thing to have these girls around pretty girls just so the kid the kids saw them like, oh wow, New Mexico's got a lot of pretty girls. I gotta go here, and right? I'm sure a program like Louisville has probably got a lot more groupy girls. I mean, just by the status of their sports program. Oh, big in time. comparison to your NCAA experience. That being said though, Patino seems like a guy who definitely is like in complete control of his program. Um, very aware of what's going on. Jay, Jay Billis, uh, former Duke player, ESPN analyst, mentioned, I mean, joking a bit, but he mentioned when recruits come to Duke, Coach K knows everything about them. He knows, and his, his point was, I mean, he knows how many scores of toilet paper they're using, these kids. <laughs> so, so that's a good point. Bayless is making the point that if these students are going to Duke, Jaleel Okafor, Jabari Parker, they show up to Duke. Matt is saying that it's really common for the players to take these girls out and hook them up with some uh, with some college college groupies that are interested in having good basketball teams at their school to have fun or whatever. Just hooking up with stud basketball players. You think you think Shashevsky knows about all that too? Like like if he knows about their toilet paper, does he know about the girls that they're hooking up with? I mean, maybe, but maybe, I mean, Krzyzewski <laughs> likes to come off that he has these greater morals. I mean, I think comparing Coach K, I mean, Patino is somebody who could possibly compare to Coach K. Coach K is, like, on such a high pedestal. Like, he has such a respect that maybe some players... Yeah, but I, I, I don't think, like, Jaleel Okafor is not interested in sleeping with the hottest girls that Duke has to offer. No way. Like, like, a lot of girls will be flinging themselves out. Yeah, they yeah. Like, forget, they I mean, I mean if, if these guys have such high character, why is Okafor beating people up in the streets of Philadelphia? Like, <laughs> like he's probably... He I mean... I, I, I feel... I mean... I'm not judging Okafor. Like, if I was that big, I'd probably beat people up. <laughs> and uh, and if the hottest girls at Duke wanted to hook up with me, I'd be all over it. That's a, that's a thing. It's almost like we're a little naive, like, trying to say, okay, if Coach K knows who they're hooking up with, so they're telling me that Coach K does not want to hook up with girls their entire tenure at Duke to then? No, of course not. Or is it just a recruiting visit? Well, I don't, think, I don't think the whole hooking up with girls going out to part, but I think there was... The problem at Louisville was that there were girls being paid. These were escorts. Oh, yeah. They That's were a, like strippers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I mean it's I illegal. think when you're it's talking NCAA violation. I mean, it's an, I think it's a federal well, violation. Like I don't <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. prostitution in Kentucky is illegal. It's illegal here. I mean I mean Granted. whatever. There's, there's, okay, there's well, gray I understand areas. that. There's gray areas. That's yeah. not my point, but yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so it's illegal anywhere, but also in the NCAA. Are you telling me prostitution is illegal? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway. All right, well let's get back to this uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, on to our next thing. I guess we killed the Patino yeah. in Louisville. Still stuck. I, I mean not uh, me personally, I I think he knew. I think I think this guy's lying. That that he didn't know, that's that's my impression. And uh, Thomas and I were talking about this earlier. We were we were saying like um, sometimes when you're caught in a sticky situation, it's better to plead ignorance than to lie. Like <laughs> you see it all the time. <laughs> well, oh yeah, we were thinking of what Tom Brady Brady should have done maybe. <laughs> so, okay, so so Dwight so Dwight Howard gets caught using stickum on his hands, you know, like or whatever it's called, the sticky stuff. It. Uh, I don't even know why why he needs it for basketball. His hands are, are maybe like, for more rebounds. Something. Yeah, yeah, more rebounds. The ball sticks to his hands. Whatever. It's definitely not helping with his free throws. 
<laughs> but, <laughs> but, but anyways, he, get, he gets caught. It's against the rules. And he's like, I didn't even know this was a big deal. I've done this every game for a long time. I don't care. And eventually the NBA is going to be like, well, you can't do it anymore. And you're fined 50,000 bucks, you know? Yeah. What if, what if Tom Brady, <laughs> he would have just been like, yeah, I've been telling the ball boys to deflate the ball a little bit. I didn't even realize it was that big of a deal. Like pleading ignorance. Yeah. If, if, if he just, he's like, I've been doing it a long time. It helps me grip the ball better. It helps me get, especially know. in cold weather, whatever it is, whatever reason he wants to have. I didn't know it was against the deflated rules. Balls. So I could be completely wrong here, but I believe the NFL regulates that much, much to a higher standard than the NBA does. The, they have actual officials who come in and get, test the balls. Well, obviously, right. they don't test them good enough, but they go in and test that stuff. The right. NBA, I was Trace McGrady on ESPN. I was listening to NBA Live the other day, and Trace McGrady's like, yeah, this happened all the time. You should have seen all the crazy things people put on their hands, and people did all the time to stuff like this. Wow. This is not an abnorm- anomaly of any sort. Well, that's, but still, what if, what if Brady, hypothetically, Brady says, uh, I just told the ball boys to let out a little air. And was like pleading ignorance on the regulations of the standard of inflation, and then so the NFL finds him and says, "Don't do that anymore." And he's like, "I was I was just unaware. I didn't know I was breaking a rule. Sorry." They he would have been suspended they, for sure, I think. The four games. Roger Goodell would have freaking laid the hammer down, and he would have been suspended still. I, Man, really? I feel really? like I feel like because other that. quarterbacks have come out and admitted that they do this. Uh, yeah. Rodgers admitted that he said that he overinflates the football because it helps him get a better grip on it. The guy that won the champ, what's the name of the Tampa quarterback Bay that won the Super championship Ball. with Tampa Bay? The the redhead guy. He sucks. The Super Bowl. Gosh damn! What the hell is his name? Uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Brad. Brad something. Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson or Tom Tom Johnson, Dick Johnson, whatever it is. <laughs> Ram Johnson. Name it all for everyone here. Ram yeah. Tom Johnson. Um, it's a damn Johnson. He uh, he admitted that he did the exact same thing. He he, he came Bowl. out and he said that he said like yeah I underinflated the balls in the Super Bowl. Like quarterbacks have come out and said that they do this. So it's you both coming. feel that. The penalty would have been much, much less. I just feel I feel I like, feel the like penalty, if the controversy wasn't as high, if, yeah. the, if there wasn't like lying and, and catching of lying and all this crazy shit going on, I feel like people wouldn't have even thought very much of that, it. It escalated. It would have been like to an extreme level because of the lying and the cover up and everything like that. Yeah, like oh, like like if it was Tom just Tom Brady like, breaking if, his cell if phone. If Tom Brady's just like, yeah, I I like to have my footballs a little bit deflated. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. I I'm sorry. I feel like maybe a fine, maybe a game suspension. Maybe Tom it. Brady throws in a little joke on Twitter like Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thing with that is we're comparing Tom Brady, who was already hated. Before right. any of this, That's he true. was already hated. That's true. Unlike Dwight that, Howard. And, uh, yes. Oh, Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight <laughs> Howard's hated in a different scale. Okay, it is okay. unlike Dwight Howard. Yes. Okay. Tom yeah. Brady is literally on the top of the pedestal, arguably the best quarterback of all time in NFL history, and this is the AFC Championship game, right? Mm-hmm. So this was like such on a high stage, and people hate Tom Brady, and the Patriots in general already had so much cheating allegation in the past five years, ten years, however long that's been. So I feel like that just put more on there, and I guarantee, I still think they would have got the hammer down. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I do believe in general, and general, I think Brady is a special case. Pleading ignorance does get to love. Look at just general life. Look at people get tried for murder sometimes. They, oh, this guy's insane. Mm-hmm. They just plead insanity. 
Oh, okay. Well, let's let them off then. Let's give them something like that. It's it's just yeah, factors in life in a like, lot of things. Like, say I'm out drinking at the park and it's twelve o'clock and I'm past the curfew. I'm not gonna just say like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna be like, "No, I wasn't drinking here. I'm not hanging out at the park." I'm just gonna say, "I didn't realize I couldn't be here." Still, you know, exactly. like past curfew, and then I feel like the cops will just say, hey, "Go home." You know, I'm not gonna get taken to jail or written a ticket. Feel like your mom's got out of speeding tickets like that. Everyone's mom. Yeah, yeah. I have a perfect example. I mean, not mentioning names of who who was a part of this one, you know, of course. But I remember back in the day when we were in high, people were in high school. Um, they'd be at a party drinking, and uh, somebody would just say, "I was just drinking a random cup, and I didn't know I was in it." And then the cops would come, and that's what they tell the cops to plead ign- um, innocence. And sure enough, they would get free. Yeah. And the perfect that yeah. was plead, "Oh, I'm guilty. I'm sorry." Oh, they would get busted. Ain't that some crap? Plead ignorance. Lead yeah, ignorance. So sometimes you just yes. have to lie. Well, anyways, it's 2016. 2015 is over. Hopefully, we never talk about Deflate Gate again. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> Here we go. Back to uh, NCAA basketball. So, I mean, one of the most interesting things about the tournament to me, more, even more than these, these, uh, once the Cinderella stories, mm-hmm. big upsets, uh, huge performances. Big surprises. I, I'm I'm big on like who's gonna make it at the next level. Who where where do you think these guys are gonna go? What what are their predictions? Who's got potential to be an all star player in the NBA professional? And then who's some guys that might come across like that, but then you kind of expect them to disappoint at the next level. So what, what do you think, Matt? If you had to, if you had to pick one player that uh, let me say you're you're a Golden State Warriors fan, diehard. Yes, sir. As picking at the end of the first round, if you had to pick one player that you expect to be at the end of the first round mm-hmm. that you think could make the rotation for the Warriors, who would you pick? So, so the criteria is just to fall at the end of the first round, though. Well, yeah, you can't you can't say I'll take uh, Brandon Ingram. Does the bonus from Gonzaga count? Yeah, um, I mean, if he fell to the Warriors, I think that'd be terrific. If you I mean, watch that game, if you watch the game between Gonzaga and Utah. So Bonus dominated Poetello, or however you say his name. Poetelli. Portal. P-O-E-L-T-L. I think there's an R pronouncing that name. It's freaking weird, wherever it is. Yeah, he's not from this country. Either way, Portal's supposed to be a lottery pick, right? Top 10. So Bonus dominated him. Like, that wasn't even close. With that being the case, I mean, I think that's a great pick. I think... Looks the dude can do everything, right? He's he's a good three point shooter. He's competitive as hell. He's, his he's, jeans. He's crafty. His dad's one of the best players of all time. He's got time. his dad's yelling at him. His dad's yelling. <laughs> I hope so. That guy's freaking huge. It's intimidating. All right, seven well, three. Well, what, right. Do you, what do you say? So, Tom, so, what's your guy? No, so a question here, bringing up a fairly polarizing player, maybe maybe one of the most polarizing players right now in college basketball. If he fell to your Golden State Warriors, would you be happy or no? Grayson Allen. Yeah. Okay. Guaranteed. Falling that far? Okay. I think that's just talent alone. I think if you're telling me Sabonis or Grayson Allen, I'll probably take Sabonis. Oh, you got to take Sabonis. But, however, if Grayson Allen fell all the way to, obviously, the last pick of the first round, then... You think he could come in and take Livingston's role? Yeah, why? Well, I, mean, I don't Livin, know if you're Livingston's about to be a free agent. No, if he wants to he's stay not a point guard. Warriors. He can't be. A, Grayson Allen can't be a point guard, in my opinion, though. Grayson Allen's a slasher, and he's going to develop a good shot. However, the biggest thing with me is can he compete defensively? I keep raving. Everybody was raised about his athletic ability, and it's weird because I look. Well, he's at a pay- white guy, and he can dunk. So 
He's six four. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I I would be more than I think Grayson Allen will definitely go before the Warriors pick. Pro okay yeah I was I was actually under the impression that, that Allen's uh, numbers were worse but they are they're better. really good they're better. Is, that I, thing? I, is Grayson Allen is, is Grayson Allen coming out this year? No, that's not for uh, sure. That's not for sure. A lot of people think he's a four year guy, but okay, he's shooting forty seven percent from the field. And forty two percent from three, which My, I'm shocked about. One, one this one thing I judge. Sorry to cut you off there. One big thing I judge a player watching Grace Allen the first game of the tournament. Right, his shot was awful that game. It was miserable, and he could not find anything. Do you know what he did though? He attacked the basket. He shot seventeen free throws that game. He was fifteen for seventeen. So his shot wasn't falling. But he's not he's not freak just keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. He attacked the basket and still ended up with twenty plus points. So give me an NBA comparison for Grayson Allen, and, and if you say a white guy, if you say JJ Redick, I'll slap you. <laughs> no way! Shot no, like JJ Redick. <laughs> well, I just feel like that's a really lazy comparison. All right. Well, who's a slash? I-, I picture him as more of a slasher that's going to develop into. I think he's a pretty good offensive player. I think. Let's see. Ooh, put me in the spot like that. Thomas, you got anybody to compare him to? Grayson Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What if if th- think about a comparison, Thomas? If you don't have a uh, comparison for him, go ahead. Let me know. Do you think Grayson Allen will pay off as an NBA player? If uh, if you have a first round draft pick in the twenties, is he worth swinging on, or do you take somebody with maybe a little bit? I'd say more established. He, well, this we we've talked about this before. And aside from maybe the top 10, 11 picks or so, it thin, the, this draft seems to thin out quite a bit. You think it goes to 11? Yeah. Yes. Ten, I mean, yeah, 10, 11 picks are pretty solid. Um, so we think. <laughs> so, yeah, you never know. But, um, but yeah, uh, after, I mean, I, I guess I didn't realize until just now that Grayson Allen is a pretty efficient college basketball player. 42% from three well, yeah. is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I was more under the impression that Allen was uh, going out there, shooting 30 times a game, tripping a couple people, and scoring like 20 <laughs> points and stuff. But I mean. Did you say tripping a couple people? Yeah, yeah. You know. So so is Della Vadova, is that a good comparison? Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe Della Vadova. Great. That was a better player than Della Vadova. Della defensively no, pretty damn good. Della Vadova's a, a good three point shooter. Yeah, too. one of the best three but point shooters. Slasher wise, I think yeah, he's not Grayson Allen's going to attack the bass and create way more offense. So better than Della Vadova, rotation player on Different the top four team in the league. Yeah, I think he'll ever be defensively like Della Vadova. Okay. No, you think he, he won't be? Yeah, yeah. Della Vadova's a good very good, very good, yeah. Where'd Del Vadova go to college? Uh, St. Mary's. St. Mary's. He was really good at St. Mary's. Four-year senior. Yeah. Uh, pretty impressive. I, I think, I think big-time tournament performance. Oh. Then he hit a couple, at least one buzzer beater, I remember. He was good. Yeah. I got a question for the draft and for both of you two. Okay. Well, let's go, Thomas, you ask this one first. So if you were picking and you are like the four spot, you were the Celtics or Timberwolves, someone like that, are you drafting Buddy Hild or Murray? Um, if I'm the Celtics or who? Timberwolves. Both teams need shooters. Well, I feel like it's a pretty I, good comparison of people. Okay, but if if it's just between those two, well, I think it's yeah. a fair comparison. One's a four-year senior and one's a freshman. Right, okay, right, so right. so we're saying first three picks go something like Simmons, Ingram. Simmons, Ingram, 
And then who do you got off the board? The Brown or Brown or Bender? Bender. Yeah. I think Bender. Okay, I mean, so I you think... go Bender. So Brown is available. Murray is available. I, I like. I want Murray. I don't want Brown. So I like. I like Chris Dunn better than both of those you just said. If I'm Minnesota. Okay. That's an interesting position. Okay, but that was not my point. Okay, okay. okay. Who do I want, Who between, do you want between, Murray, between those two? Murray and Hield? Because I think it's a good good thing. It's senior guy versus freshman guy. Both great shooters. Yeah, yeah. That's a well. Murray is supposedly, if I'm wrong, correct me, Bobby. Isn't Murray supposed to adapt into like a point guard role? Is that what? Yeah, I think if you're Minnesota, I think you got to take Murray in that situation. Uh, Murray played point guard up until this. Up until this point in his life, I think between him and Zach Levine, you could play those as as your guards and have a, have enough ball handling and control to be able to run an offense. Just gives you a ridiculous amount of shooting and athleticism in the backfield. Whereas if you took Bodie Heald in that backfield, situation, huh? back, like shut up <laughs> <laughs> in the back in the backcourt. Uh, whereas if you take Bodie Heald in that situation. Um, Zach Levine, Zach Levine, we're still not sure exactly who he is, and he might develop into a point guard, but I feel like he's the future guard in that at Minnesota, and I feel like he's going to turn out to be more of a shooting guard. Buddy Heald. I completely agree. Yeah. He needs to be a shooting guard. Yeah, so with Buddy Heald in that situation, you've got two guys that, are, that don't have uh, don't have a lot of flexibility with where you can put them, except for they're both at shooting guard. And I don't, yeah. I mean, what, are they about the same age? I think, Zach Levine might be a year younger than Buddy Heald. I think you could play Levine and Heald together. I think it's possible. Definitely. I like the shooting. I like the shooting, but I just I just feel like Heald is definitely not a, is definitely not a, not a point, point guard, guard, not a facilitator. Wiggins is definitely not a facilitator. And then you've got... So is that... Who else? That's one, that's, we got Rubio still Is in Towns your best facilitator at that point? Wiggins? No, but... I, that, yeah, so... No, not Wiggins. I'm just saying if you take Heald, then he's going to be directly competing with Levine at the shooting guard spot for minutes. Whereas if you take Murray, he can compete with Levine and Rubio for their minutes, and you have a healthier three-guard rotation. Okay, I completely agree with your points, and uh, this kind of – I want to state the question a little differently then because I got too, we got too caught up on the team's sake. Okay. All right, who's going to be a better NBA player, Murray or Heald? I'm going to go ahead and – I think, I mean, it's so hard to say because Heald is not only, this is not only his, I mean, it's a fantastic year, but he's been proven now, this is the third year he's done it. He's been very good for since his sophomore year. So, and he keeps improving every yeah, year. Yeah, right. He is, so it's not like you want to say Murray has more potential just because he's younger. And that, that's not necessarily always the case uh, with potential. But... That being said, from what I've seen of each of them, I am going to go ahead and say Murray will be better. I just think a little more dynamic um, scorer than Heald. Heald can really shoot it, but I'm going okay, so to say Murray. I, I follow the draft like avidly every year. I, I look at it. One, one of the things that I consider to be like the, the biggest critique of why the Philadelphia 76ers are messing up is they don't have they don't have a professional program where they have solid veterans to learn for uh, these extremely talented 18 year olds that they get every year to learn from to learn because it's not just about um, show up and learn some type of new way to set a pick or learn some learn some type of 
moving the post. It's like learn how to work, you know. And anything, Matt, when you were working your way through engineering school, it wasn't so much about learning math problems. It was like learning how to organize your life so that you were in the library. After practice, you yeah. go to the library. Just schedule. After always, practice, go to the library. schedule. Yeah, and uh, I feel like you probably... If you didn't have role models for that in the beginning, because I, I remember in high school, that wasn't your life, you know? Well, high school wasn't that hard. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> no, really high, study much. But I'm just school. saying, you learn, you learn those habits, you know what I mean? Yeah. And these professionals that they have on a team like Minnesota, that was why bringing in Garnett was a big, because Garnett's the best role model for these young kids that exist. Like, you couldn't have a better guy in the locker room that wants to show them the value of hard work. Maybe too much so, at time. <laughs> Philadelphia, <laughs> Philadelphia doesn't have anybody like that. Um, Tone, one, Tone Ish Ish Smith isn't like the guy. Ish Smith Ish Smith is a good guy. <laughs> that, was, that was a good trade, and they uh, kind of ruined their tanking keep effort. Going, keep going. <laughs> well, it's still working. They're still by far so the worst what, team. The, what I like to see, and I talked with you about this the other day. What I like to, what I like about Heald and what I like about drafting these upperclassmen is that you've already seen that this guy has work ethic and that he has the ability to improve, and that's something special. And Neither one of these guys is going to be who you want them to be if they don't improve. Like, they both need to take their game. Jamal Murray, Buddy Heald, both of them need to make improvements to their game consistently to become starting guards on winning teams in the NBA. Otherwise, they'll be... I mean, maybe if they could, they could end up on a bad team putting up big numbers, but they won't be contributing to wins without further improvement of their game. So Heald For the is, Sixers is what you're saying. For, the, for, the, the for the Sixers, for for lots of teams, I feel like healed. What about is a the safe, Celtics then? Is a safer yeah, but, yeah, pick. I go a good healed. core. I go healed. Healed all the way then. You're pretty much healed all the way. It sounds like healed all the way. Because you're uh, saying the healed Celtics. The, and only, the, healed the, Sixers. the only thing I like more about Murray than healed because I'm not I'm not worried about age. I like the idea of drafting a 22 year old and having him till he's 26 on a rookie contract. You get to but, know the guy better, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, and, and he's more. more ready to contribute. The only thing that I like about Murray is I like his versatility more than Heald. Because Murray, I believe, has point guard DNA in him. I think I think he can do that. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure he will be a point guard, but I think he's got he offers versatility to come in and play point for your second unit, to play uh, alongside another combo guard. Whereas Heald is, I mean, the NBA today is all about versatility. Heald's gonna be a scorer. He was going to come into the league to be a scorer. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't think he's going to put up 20 points as a rookie or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a solid player. I mean, it's three. If, if, if his confidence stays the same as it is, that, that, that's one thing that I feel about these seniors at these schools is sometimes, like you're looking at Frank Kaminsky, right, who, who is, is well, a good player. rookie in the NBA right now, hands down. Frank Kaminsky, okay. So watch him at Wisconsin. His confidence is through the roof. He's hitting every shot. Offense is running through. He's not hesitant to take any move that he needs to make to get to the basket or uh, pretty much anything. But I, but when you don't have the confidence of an entire program behind you like that, like the Charlotte doesn't believe in Frank Kaminsky the same way that Wisconsin believes in Frank Kaminsky. Well, of course not. He's a star versus going to a role player. Yeah. But it changes the way that he plays. Correct. Which will also, which I think will also he have dictates an a lot with, with heel. Like confidence, so huge in all performance, like but basketball included. Confidence is a stain you can't wipe off. You know. I like that. Who is that? I think it's like Drake or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Kanye. <laughs> we, we, we have 
three white guys here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Moving on with the draft. Is, aren't you Hispanic? Half. <laughs> You're Italian. Yeah. <laughs> A quarter. Anyway, anyway, so I feel like earlier in the college basketball season, when he, thinking about the number one overall draft pick, it was hands down, you take Simmons, you take Simmons no matter what team you are. Um, and that's a done deal. Um, Simmons's year at LSU did not live up to expectation. LSU really struggled. Simmons still put up phenomenal numbers, but did not win. Meanwhile, Ingram, who was already a highly coveted pick, has just been continuously rising up the draft boards, and now it seems as though people are considering him as a possible one. He's in the conversation. Yeah, so, so... Right now, would you guys say it depends on the team getting the number one pick? Or is it still at the point where we're like, Simmons, hands down, way to go? No attack first. Or no attack. I mean, because who, yeah, who, who, who are the three teams that could – isn't there – There's some – any team oh. can get a number one pick. Any team in the lottery could potentially win a number one Just pick. Just three teams okay. are by far the best so, odds. But – Yeah. That's how the uh, – Cavaliers ended up with Andrew Wiggins when they had the ninth best odds. Okay, and getting... Bulls got Derrick Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so. but most likely it's Philadelphia, got LA, or Philadelphia, LA. Uh, I believe Boston has a good chance because they Boston have, have owns Brooklyn's all pick. of Brooklyn's yeah. picks. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Matt. Answer the okay. question. Okay, so my my thing with this is th- it is really interesting. I think the only argument would be the Sixers. Okay, the Sixers need shooting desperately on that team. So do you go with Ingram, who's going to be a most likely be a better shooter. However, I think Simmons is such a unique talent that does not come along every year. You can Ingram is pretty unique as well, but Simmons is a 6'10 guy who can dribble the ball up. He can go to positions one through four. I believe he will develop a shot. LeBron James, I'm not comparing him to LeBron James, but LeBron developed a shot. There's a lot of players in the NBA have developed a shot through the years. And more than the shot was scares a little bit, I don't know how Simmons' leadership is. That made me a little nervous. Because I, I believe if you're that talented, although I think LSU's coach was not good at all, you still lead that team. That team looked dead. So many times I watched them this season, they just looked dead. They did not look like a team that was inspired playing or any of that. So that scares me more than the shooting. But overall, to answer the question, I, I believe that you got to take Simmons. I think Simmons is a 6'10", once every five years, eight years prospect that comes wrong. It seems to me like if you're going to take Simmons... You better have confidence in your coach, because I think it. I think it was a big mistake for Simmons to go to LSU. I think being under Shashevsky at Duke has has really helped Ingram. I think like you look, you, there's red flags with Simmons. Sometimes it looks like he doesn't care if he loses, doesn't care about his team at all. Like doesn't even pretend. Doesn't care about grades at all. Doesn't even. Yeah. Well. That's a whole different topic. That's a different topic. I don't, I don't, I don't care topic. about whether or not he shows up to class, but the fact that he just doesn't care if people think he shows up to class, what it doesn't matter. Nothing matters at all. He's he's only thinking about the NBA. He's already he's already there in his mind. Doesn't think it, he doesn't strike me as a guy that thinks he has work to do. He strikes me as a guy who feels like he's caught up in bureaucracy and uh, should already be in the NBA competing for Rookie of the Year award, which arguably true. But I think 
this is kind of a lost year for him. I didn't see a lot of improvement. I didn't see him taking advantage of his opportunities to establish himself. Agreed. Agreed. Establishing himself as a leader. Whereas Ingram, I feel like, not not put in the same high-pressure situation. He's he's plugged into a winning program, taught by one of the best winners that there's ever been in sports. Like, Krzyzewski's a legend, and Ingram gets to be there learning underneath him for a year. That that Those experiences are so important. Yeah, big time. Yeah, Huge. so I feel like with, with all that combined, I mean, you're looking, say... Everyone wants to compare Simmons to LeBron. Well, let's compare him to DeMarcus Cousins for the sake of this argument. DeMarcus Cousins is a top five talent in the NBA as far as Good chance to be the first team all NBA this year. Yeah. Can't win a basketball game to save his life. Like, their, their team will not make the playoffs anytime soon. And what... what is 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 Simmons likely to get caught in this situation? Does he have some of the same added? Like, I'm not I'm not necessarily necessarily blaming everything on Cousins, but it seems like a player with that amount of ability. He's he's the most talented, strongest, uh, by far the most skilled big man in the NBA. Would would have the ability to like take pressure off of his teammates, have them make big big performances. Would contribute it would contribute to winning basketball games. Is Simmons kind of in the same boat as Cousins where he won't contribute to winning basketball games? Maybe he'll just be one of the most talented players in the NBA, but on a losing team perpetually? See, one it's thing, possible. Yeah. It's possible. One thing with Simmons is his teammates kept talking about how unselfish he was too, right? That's true. Like he was really unselfish. He always wanted to a fault. To a fault, correct. Yeah. However, that might change him more aggressive. But I feel like one thing, if he was such a bad character, he wouldn't be always trying to get his team involved in different passing, which kind of contradicts my argument earlier about the leadership. Um, so that that's one thing. I feel like comparing attitude of Cousins to attitude of Simmons, it's tough. It's a really tough call, but I understand where you're coming from. I feel like Simmons – I mean, it's a tough comparison. Simmons never seems to be, like, demonstrative. He's in never the same yelling. Way that Cousins is. Yeah, he's not yelling at people. He's not. He's making not bumping any, into the New York he's not Knicks making security a fool guard of himself. <laughs> you guys see? DeMarcus I mean, I, mean I, I don't hate on Cousins, man. I think the guy's hilarious, and I, I love watching him play. I, I mean, he's one of my favorite players. But it just, I, I just, I look at the box scores, and I'm like, how do you have eight turnovers this game? What happened, man? Like he's he averages definitely the most turnovers of all centers in the league. He's probably got the highest usage rate. But it seems like he's got to find a way to play more efficient basketball. They don't really have that many efficient players on that team. <laughs> no. Okay, we're getting besides the point. Let's get back to the Simmons game because we can go on forever about Sacramento. Well, I feel like I feel like what we concluded with was even though Simmons has all these things about him, it just seems like he's this once in a decade maybe talent, and he's. The but I feel like go. the door's open. I feel like Ingram yeah. Ingram has enough ability where if if you're a GM who is maybe on the hot seat and uh or maybe you just are a GM who thinks you doesn't want to have drama in your locker room, maybe you pick Ingram or maybe you just want a guy that can hit a three-point shot seeing this. I think you pick Simmons important. in that case because I think you I think the guy would feel pressure that you have to take the number 1 overall player. All right, real quick, each one of you Matt, who do you take? Simmons. Bobby? Simmons. Okay, I take Simmons too. <laughs> there we go. And and going back real quick, 
we said that Simmons' uh, teammates think he's unselfish. I wonder, I mean, this is just besides the point, but I wonder if we sometimes confuse selfishness with being a talented passer. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we just say that for people that are really good passers. Like, LeBron got that. But I don't know if he's necessarily LeBron learned. LeBron learned when to take over a game, though. When he needed to score, yeah. he learned to go score. But like Simmons, a couple games this year, especially the game they were getting crushed, he wouldn't take a shot. Right. Like, what yeah. the heck? So I don't know if LeBron was necessarily unselfish. I think he maybe didn't know what to, how to, what to do. Exactly. He learned. He had to yeah. learn. Yeah. Definitely. So Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> has been moved to the point guard spot recently since Michael Carter-Williams got injured. He's been incredible. He's dominating. He's, yeah. he's getting like two steals, close to two steals, two blocks, like seven assists, nine rebounds, and 18 the points, something like this. The longest, biggest point guard in NBA history. He dunked on the yeah. entire Pistons. Yeah, so, so I feel like everyone wants to compare Simmons to LeBron. Can Simmons ever be as good as Antetokounmpo? Will he be as good as Antetokounmpo is? And will be. Antetokounmpo obviously seems like he improves every year. How old is Antetokounmpo? 21. 21. Yeah, he's super young. Incredible draft choice by Milwaukee. I feel like they just kill it in the draft every year, getting great players. Every year, I'll still be a lot better. But they've done pretty good lately. Lately, okay, recently. <laughs> recently, they've done well. <laughs> I mean, they I mean their, their franchise center retired because of mental issue. That's that's tough to foresee. Or, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, how are you going to know that Larry Sanders is going to develop serious anxiety? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like the safe pick for me right now, though, would be will Simmons be as good as Antetokounmpo? And if I was a betting man on this, I would say Antetokounmpo has a better career than him. I don't think Simmons is going to play the one, but I, I'm going to say, Alter Copo, who hasn't even made an all-star game yet, is next year, I believe all of us will agree, he's probably going to, he's going to make the all-star game. He's been ridiculous. If he, I mean, unless something changes, but he's playing like an absolute beast, and I feel like he's like one of the most exciting and intriguing players to watch. He's seven three league. wingspan. Yeah. yeah At point guard. Are you freaking nuts. kidding me? Sometimes I feel like he doesn't even have to jump, and he can dunk from the free throw line. <laughs> he gets beat, beat on defense, and he's still in in charge there. He starts he to zero step like three feet behind the three point line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly. <laughs> he's just it's yeah. like an eight foot euro step. I mean, that is an interesting compare. How tall is is he six nine six, ten? 11, six, How tall is him? Took up a bowl. Six eleven supposedly. Six eleven. I'm that a uh, Ben Simmons six ten. Ben Simmons is not going to play the one though. You don't think so? No, I think he's playing the three. Like like a LeBron type thing where he, I mean, he's the three. I mean, in my, team, in my opinion, when we talk about this issue, we get like caught up in like, in position. Uh, to me, positions are more defensive. But when we're talking often, like, who are you guarding defensively? When we're talking offensively, yeah. if, Simmons isn't, if Simmons isn't facilitating, I don't know who he is. Like, what is he going to do? He's, he's a good rebounder and a good post player. You could, you could stick him in a traditional... Like post up four, but those don't even exist anymore. Like he he's gonna be outside on the wing driving and creating yeah. passes. That's a good point. Like positions really don't exist. The only reason why position exists in the offense right now is the guy who brings the ball up. <laughs> and that will be Simmons a good percentage of the time. Yeah, I agree. For whatever team he if plays. If they don't have a point guard, I think even if I mean I think he might be more talented than. He's more. Of, he yeah. is more talented. In my opinion, yeah. I think I think whatever team drafts him. Is going going to draft him for the purpose of facilitating. That's his number one skill. Is he's six ten, 
athletic as all hell and sees the court like a point guard. Like you want that guy that that's where he's going to develop into that same role of uh I feel like I feel like we definitely pick Simmons like we're comparing him to one of the most dynamic young players in our game right now. And we Bobby I know thinks he's going to Antico Popo however you say his name, is going to be a freaking star. Charles Barkley over here. <laughs> yeah, my name's ridiculous. Anyway, Bobby thinks he's going to be a superstar, which by signs of it, he looks like he's heading that way. And that's who Bobby's comparing him to. So if we're comparing Simmons to that, like, come on now. Simmons is going to be good. Well, how good can Ingram be? Who do you compare him to? He's not Durant. I, people keep comparing him to Matt Durant, but he's well, you not can, Durant. I feel like you can compare someone to another person, but they don't have to necessarily be that. Good. I mean, he looks like Durant. Yeah, he looks like Durant. He's shorter. I, mean, I feel like he's shorter than Durant. A little shorter, but I he's, feel like he's. I don't know. Sometimes you look at that guy and it's like, how the hell does this person even exist? You yeah, know? It's like his length is doesn't even make sense. He looks like some type of cartoon character, something. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So I mean, it's it's hard to look past Durant that and like say like, points a game like, who is this college. guy? Who is it? Yeah, he did. Um, Durant was on a different type of system though as Ingram too I mean yeah. if we're going to compare that but yeah. Ingram strengths length length defensive potential shooting shooting shooting, shooting off the dribble like creating his own offense I mean he has a lot of potential yeah. I mean awful rebounder he doesn't seem nearly that aggressive I don't I and think when it's I watched tough him to be aggressive he had 10 turnovers yeah I mean probably every time that guy catches an elbow like like you're boxing out, you push push your forearm elbow into Ingram's ribs, and <laughs> there's no meat got blocking the ribs. No, he's got no <laughs> ability to handle a big big old. What's the name of the big old fat dude on North Carolina? Bryce Johnson? Not no, Johnson. No, no, no. Kennedy Meek. Kennedy, Kennedy Meeks. Meeks. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah, like that. He, that guy's gonna box out in front. Freaking alley. No. Oh man. I would like to see him. Well, McDonald's, <laughs> Meeks. All right. Well, <laughs> just, just imagine how much that guy can eat. <laughs> yeah. Tom's can. We can. Go? We can get into that discussion, but <laughs> Tom's can throw some food who, down. Who would you least likely want to run into in an alley in sports? Sean Oakman. Sean Oakman. Sean Oakman. <laughs> 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 okay. 400 pounds? I guess Oakman. Or what about Rico Gathers? Oakman still? Oh, God. Yeah, Oakman is scarier. I mean, get, did you see Gathers push Torian Prince? Yeah. Gathers is a freaking... I don't want to see Torian Prince. All these, all these guys. I'd be scared to death. What about Dwight Howard? I, I'm more scared of Oakman than Howard. He plays football, so he's a little more motor. Yeah, I feel, well, I, feel for, I feel like if, if I saw Dwight Howard in an alley, I'd be like, "What's up, Dwight yeah, Howard?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're no, telling you like you know the guy. I'm telling no. you the guy wants to beat your kick that kick your ass. Oh so, man, we're, well, we're then just... I don't want to fight any of these. Guys. <laughs> no. I don't want, if, if, <laughs> Is that what you're? If there's no, no chance of me making getting... friends with him, I just think Sean Oakman just looks like a mean yeah, man. Like I mean, he just looks like somebody that. Davian just... Clowney looks like a pretty mean. man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I mean, I would hate running into Ben Wallace. Um, the NBA players are like seven foot though. That's pretty intimidating. Yeah. Ben Wallace scared the shit out of Ron Artest. And Ron Artest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Ron that. Artest will scare anyone. <laughs> 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 
That's true. Like, like I don't remember. Everyone that. Runs, runs away from Ron Artest, and Ron Artest runs away from Ben Wallace. So I bought Chuck Norris. All right, I, I might be going all in though with Matt Barnes. Oh fuck, this. Matt Barnes, dude. No, I don't want to. Wait, just because he's gonna pull a gun out on you or what? Yeah, because he's crazy. He <laughs> better hope he didn't sleep with his wife. Yeah. yeah. No, Kenyon Martin is the is baddest man. Hot? Yeah. Anyway. Kenyon, Kenyon Martin like trained with heavyweight boxers. If if it's if there's gonna be a fight, I'm not sure anyone can beat Ben Wallace in a fight that like it might be like beating up a uh, grizzly bear or something. <laughs> but uh, Ken, Kenyon Martin for the for normal humans. Kenyon Martin's a normal human. <laughs> more more so than Ben Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Kenyon Martin was like 6'9 and like 250. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's very normal. We're from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We don't have those people walking around. All right, all right, all right. Enough, of, enough of the fighting giants. All right. J.J. Watt. Like, yeah. you gonna, that guy could probably take anyone. No one, no, he, his his life is pushing around the biggest men that exist, and he's, and he's better at it than anybody. Yeah, Dama Kung Su. All right. Anyway, on to the, the, on the, on the yeah. We're we're off topic. I don't even remember what the topic was. All right. Was. Let's move on to the let's move on to the NBA here. All right. So obviously, you know I'm a Warriors fan, but I want to get your guys' take on the Spurs beating the Warriors on Saturday, and is this a big deal or not a big deal, and how much did it bring down the favorite odds of the Warriors winning the title? It's a very very big deal. I think that the Spurs. Obviously have some things that the Warriors can't necessarily match up with. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm picking the Spurs, but I think where we were looking at a situation, like if the Spurs go into San Antonio and whoop their ass twice, then I think we might be looking at like... Seven game series. And Just a home home court advantage type of series. Yeah. Well, say, say, say the Warriors go into San Antonio, beat them twice... I think we're looking at a situation where it's like 90% chance Golden State wins the championship. They're the best team. The Spurs were the second best team, and they can't even match up with them at all. But I think with if the Spurs show strong in these next couple games, I think we're looking at maybe closer to a 60-40 split. Something like that. Like, uh, they, they have a lot of assets, man. Their backup, their backup post is David West. The guy's incredible. Boris Diaz is incredible. Uh, so I, they have the strongest post lineup in the league. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, the best on-ball defender in the in the NBA. Agreed. Uh, Keep in mind that Bogut, Azili, and Inguidala did not play. And That's, this and this would be a big thing. This was this is going to be determinant of the NBA playoffs. I feel is who is healthy. I mean, it always is. But I think this year we're kind of looking at a two-horse race. And I think whichever one of those team, whichever one of those two teams has more healthy players has a good chance of going to the Western, I mean, going to the finals and whooping up on whoever's from the Eastern Conference. I don't think Cleveland has got the chemistry, the coaching, the, atti- the attitude. Every- I think those teams are far and away the best. And I think health is going to play a big role in whoever wins. What's your thoughts, Thomas? I'd say I don't think it's quite as big of a deal. I mean, we're talking about the two maybe best home teams in NBA NBA history. history. So the Warriors losing to San Antonio being that good of a home team. And it was a close game down the stretch, too. With the Warriors playing With the Warriors playing 
playing the Spurs playing well. Well, I, I want to give credit still to the Spurs. Oh, Spurs though. made the I Warriors mean, yeah, play bad. Yeah, but so so I mean, with the Warriors though playing down a couple players that they typically on a back to back on a back to back. So I I mean I still am fully confident that the Warriors will beat the Spurs in a seven game series. Um, well, they will have home field advantage. No, I feel they like will have home sure court. Thing. Court, yeah. yeah. I love your football references here during basketball season. Shut up, man. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, well, this, this is my thing. Okay, the, the Warriors made the Spurs play bad the first time they met, right? And the Warriors won by 30. Mm-hmm. The Spurs played great at home, and they only won by 8. Yeah. Without three players the Warriors had. And we're not saying like little players. I mean, yeah. Inguidal is huge. Inguidal is a really big piece of that team. And a you're starter, talking about, finals you're talking about, MVP. Yeah, finals MVP. You're talking about their big man, right? You're thinking Bogut would definitely help them defensively with Aldridge and their lineup that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. They don't match up with the big men of the Spurs. The Spurs have got probably the best big man lineup I've ever seen in the NBA. But it could be, it could have been better. A Bogut could help defensively tremendously. Was, I, who yeah. was out? Bogut and Azili? Azili. Both yeah, they're two best. You have Spates and Vergeau. You think either of them are going to defend anybody? We're talking about one of the best power forward centers of all time. Hall, Hall of Famer, like... Yeah, Bogut helps. Duncan outplays Bogut every game. Duncan has lost a little bit of a step, though, so I think that's not nearly like it used to be. Well, Bogut's think, lost a little bit of it. They're like, they're like around the same athletically. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, think, yeah. It's still yeah. an upgrade for what did play. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. It still, okay, yeah. still is an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about like a 39-year-old Hall of Famer. And they, I got you. Okay. And they lost by what? Eight points? Eight, eight points, and they're missing... Some of their best players. Yeah, and Space is an awful players. defensive big man. He is so slow. He can't is move he? his feet. Is he? <laughs> Verja plays really hard. We'll give him, he plays hard. Like when we say awful, are we talking as bad as David Lee? Not quite that bad. He plays farther off so he doesn't get blown by as much. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'd be watching David Lee play and it's like watching banana pudding try to play defense. <laughs> like guys are just cutting through him. Moving right around. I like the reference. Matter. Where did banana pudding come from? I was just, just just picturing how easy Blake Griffin would eat banana pudding. That seems like how, <laughs> that seems like about how easy he dunks on David Lee. <laughs> what about what about Blake Griffin? What about the Clippers? Can the can these guys come back and they make any sort of noise? Um, or should they have traded him? What's, what's going on? Do you blow this team up? Do you keep do you keep going? What do you do? There's no way you trade Blake Griffin. I think all these yeah. rumors were absolutely ridiculous. Blake Griffin is one of the top ten best players in this league, uh-huh. and you're going to go and trade him. It's not like he has a bad attitude with his team. He doesn't do anything like that. He got in a fight with a friend. It turned escalated. He's a big guy compared to this little guy. He's punching. So it looked awful. He was definitely 100% in the wrong, but he was a friend. They literally go on trips together, wife with wife, four of them. Bobby, me and you have fought in our day plenty of times. I mean, this is not like anything ridiculous. He just is such a, he shouldn't have done it, 100% in the wrong, but you don't go and trade him away after an incident like this. Okay, so it's not just the incident. We're looking at a situation where it seems like these teams that are close will just never get there. It, that That's the way it feels to me. I feel like Thunder, Clippers, Rockets... Like, you put in this work, you built a contender, and they aren't good enough. The Thunder aren't when, good enough with two of the five best players in basketball. When do you start When do you start the rebuild? When do you say, this sucks, oh, maybe we'll have a chance in a couple years, but we don't have a chance right now. Maybe we should try to think of a couple years. So you're going to choose DeAndre Jordan over Griffin? 
I think there's well, no what way. I, what I would do what? if I was the Clippers is I would be very intrigued by the Kyrie Irving for Chris Paul trade. I like that trade. I would. I would. It extends the Clippers window. Um, I think it works for both teams. I don't like change of scenery. As as everybody else does, but I understand. I mean, point. oh well. I mean, yeah. So this. So so this is an argument for the Clippers. I feel like Blake Griffin is being. Where did this under- trade come from? Who's talking about this trade? Talked about just because Irving isn't happy allegedly. Yeah, it's a thing. Oh, I like Cavaliers. It's, a, a it's, an, ima- it's an imaginary trade. It's never. It it's never was reported. It's, it's a rumor. It's. Cleveland have a better chance of winning in the next two years with that trade for sure. Oh yeah, it works. Yeah. It works out for both teams, maybe, because I don't think the Clippers. I think it's. I, I think it's better for both teams for this reason. I think. I think Blake Griffin is definitely a top ten talent in the NBA, but I feel like with with the current makeup of the Clippers roster, you're just your second and third best player. I think Blake Griffin's their first player. Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, their skills cancel out Blake Griffin's abilities. Blake. Things Blake Griffin is one of the best at in the NBA. He's one of the best facilitating power forwards in the NBA. One of the best ball handling power forwards in the NBA. Good mid range, and then he up. and he plays above the rim as good as anybody in the league besides DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> so so you're looking at these, and he's pretty much been forced to become a stretch four because he's not. He doesn't get to be the facilitator. Jordan Chris clogs Paul the paint. To, Jordan yeah. clogs the paint. Jordan does. He clogs the paint. He's, I mean, you, he's made like five baskets all year outside of four feet. It's some ridiculous stat. Like I that. mean, if I'm if if I'm DeAndre Jordan's coach, I'm not mad that he hasn't made any because he doesn't take shots outside the paint. He's shooting like Will Chamberlain percentages. He, <laughs> yeah. he 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 gets in the lane and he dunks. He knows what he's good at. Um, no, I mean the reason that the reason that they're fighting, the reason that they're fighting with Dallas to try to keep DeAndre Jordan isn't because of his offensive abilities. It's because Blake Griffin doesn't protect the like. Yeah, like he he doesn't protect the rim, but DeAndre Jordan's one of the most dominant defenders in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They beat the Spurs last year. You watched that series. Who was the MVP of that series? Was DeAndre Jordan? Jordan was an animal. Yeah, Griffin Spurs was an get animal too. Though. Around the basket. Griffin was an animal that series too. Defensively, 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 but what DeAndre Jordan was able to do to the Spurs is too. what is what made that series go the way it did, in my opinion. Well, I'll say they're both key facets. In my opinion, they're both were really good. Yeah. And I think it was a great series. Man. I think you 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 get a point guard like Kyrie Irving that's a little bit uh, more dangerous off the ball, and kind of allow Blake Griffin to have a little bit more of a role in facilitating. Right, he's great at it. Yeah, I think, and I, I think okay. he becomes a more valuable player. I think it helps for stretching it out longer, but I think the Clippers will be worse for the next two or three years than they are now. In my opinion, that's fine. They would be worse. I I think. I think Kyrie Irving is a little. He's a very, very good, very good player. But I think he's a little overrated for the comparison he gets to. Right. He, Defensively, he's not that good. No. He he is I selfish would say at times. Awful. Yeah, he dribbles the ball. He just pounds the ball on the floor so much. He doesn't facilitate an offense very well at all. I feel like at a lot of things he reminds me of a player that's not going to win. Chris Paul reminds me of a player that will win. He has one. He's he's. I mean. Consistently throughout his, has he ever missed the playoffs? No, but he's never won a title. That's hard, man. That's why I say put Chris Paul on the Cleveland. Right, right. I think that could be. Yeah, that's brilliant. That definitely helps. Stop putting Kevin Love as a stretch four too. That's annoying as hell. Well, so you're getting this. Basketball is changing. Things. Almost out of time here, so we'll we'll get going. All right, let's get some final thoughts. Final thoughts. 
basketball is changing. It's interesting the dynamic where we're where we're seeing the death of having of having two post players. So all of a sudden, and I think we're, when you're looking at draft prospects, you have to consider: can this guy be my low post player? Is is he good enough to be the only guy that I want to play down low? Because now it's looking like every great team is running four guys outside almost exclusively. Not necessarily, but but that's it, the trend. It's very very much so a trend, yeah. yeah. And so when I when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking like, so you've, you've got Tristan Thompson who can't shoot. You've got LeBron James who has had a major fall off as a shooter. Kevin Love Kevin, can shoot. Kevin Love can shoot, so they're they're kind of forcing him outside because their Mozgov of course can't shoot. Uh, but that's what LeBron well, wanted. LeBron thought getting Kevin Love was some new age type of deal of having a stretch four. He loved the fact that Kevin Love was a stretch four. Correct. And you look yeah. at Kevin Love and his best ever, though, in Minnesota. Yeah. He was not a stretch no, four. No, no, no. He was an animal on inside because he's a big, great rebounder. Right. Incredible yeah. rebounder. In- incredible rebounder. Inside-out player. He's getting post-ups. He, the, way he, the way he shifts his body around, throws his weight down low, and, and gets himself in position for layups. Yeah. He's one of the best post-up players in the league. Neutralizing his best asset as a player, in my opinion, is his rebounding. Right. You're neutralizing that completely but putting him outside. But, however, it is – I understand your point. It's changing. So what do you do is interesting. I feel like that's a great segue. We could talk about that next podcast. I'd like to thank everybody uh, for listening. And this is uh, the Rametown Riot with Bobby Lloyd and Thomas Mayfield. We know more about basketball than you, LeBron.